Bennett. Daniel. What's going on? Let's get down to business. Uh, well, I want to start with something I think we can do uh, kind of at the beginning of every podcast to sort of get into things. Um, and I want your help deciding how, how we should do it. So if you recall, okay. a long time ago, um, I, we were talking about uh, superpowers and drawbacks. And we were thinking about kind of stupid superpowers, right? Right. Uh, and at the time, I said, you know, I think it would be really fun if I kept a list of all the stupid superpowers that I can think of. Yes. And, and so I kind of done that. I've done that. Yeah. Um, now I don't have a huge list yet because I only started compiling it, you know, in the last two or three weeks, um, and. You know, throughout my life, I've thought of probably dozens or hundreds of these stupid things. But I tried right. to, I tried to, what I tried to do was create a list of superpowers and and drawbacks, and then rank them on a scale from one to ten based on you know, how powerful they are. Basically, with right. with most of my, uh, I, I prefer the low ranking ones because for whatever right. reason i just find those the more interesting ones to think about or at least i think they would make for more interesting conversation when you I say mean, low ranking do you mean more plausible or just are going to impact your life less significantly um y yes the latter um okay. because well everyone has thought about flying versus Being invisibility mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know and those are fun to think about and you know those are Good conversations, but, but the no well-treaded territory. Yeah. Yes, no one thinks about very lame superpowers. Um, so, <laughs> well, it, so it, it makes me think of now. It, yeah, exactly, and it makes me think of when we've talked about how we all actually do have um, unusual superpowers. For right, instance, right. yours is fogging up windows abnormally. That's right. Um, and that, that would be in the probably negative superpower, I guess. Or, I mean, I guess it could come in handy if you really needed fogged up windows. Oh, it does. Um, <laughs> no, no. Just to uh, write your love messages in when you're, you know, hitting on random people at a bar and you happen to be standing next to a window and you can say, you, me, tonight. And I, I, don't, I don't know. Right. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> That's what um, I pictured it being useful for. Yeah, I would classify that as a drawback with... Um, Probably with a rating of one, so that's pretty minimal. Right. Um, you know, my life isn't too impacted by that. It's pretty bad. That's pretty I good claim, that I, I landed I on a one. victimhood status. Yeah. Well, the ones I find really interesting. So anyway, so I have this list of superpowers and drawbacks, and I've ranked them. I probably have 15 or 16 of each. Um, okay. But uh, how – here are two options for how I can present this. I can either give you one superpower and one drawback at, that are both of equivalent ratings, um, and you tell me whether you would take the deal, basically. If I said basically, you, I have to take all or nothing. Yeah, you get this superpower, but it comes with a drawback. Is it worth it? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I or, like that format. Or I can give you two superpowers and two drawbacks, and you have to pick one of each. Mm. So... Well, well what, what do you lean towards? I lean toward the first option. The first one, really? Okay. It, it, it doesn't, well, in a lazy sense, it doesn't expose as many of your your options. But, but I'm actually interested in balance. You know, we talk a lot about harmony, which is a whole other discussion. But mm -hmm. is this 
could you be harmonious with this? And I have to examine and balance the pros and cons. Whereas, um, you know, if I'm just gauging the pros of one and then the other one, I'm gauging the cons. I just like to do the pro-con balance. That's more interesting. Well, I understand that. But the, the reason that I even thought of doing two superpowers and two drawbacks is that, well, my rankings may not be the same as your rankings. And, you know, that's something interesting to discuss. But it may, you know, the two that I pair up, maybe it may be a really easy decision for you. Like, yeah, well, you know what? Oh, that kind of calibrates take. your scale. Maybe, you know what? You've kind of changed my mind. Maybe this first one should be uh, two superpowers and two drawbacks. And it kind of helps you calibrate. Well, I don't really I'm care about at. that because I don't care about your opinion that much <laughs> in terms of uh, calibrating my scale. I'm perfectly fine with my scale. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, but, okay. But, but, but. You're welcome. I, but I do think that presenting two of each it it gets around that being really easy and it lets you it, make, it lets you make a decision number one between which of these two powers do i find more appealing so you get to weigh the pros and cons between those and then which of these two drawbacks what could i live with the the easiest and you get to decide between that and you get to kind of structure your own situation you know which what what is the best possible outcome from given these options? And you can, you know, choose one uh, one superpower, one drawback, or say no, none of this is worth it. Um, you know, I'm gonna walk away. All right, you've you've sold me on. I want to hear two superpowers and two drawbacks. All right, okay. So I've I'm gonna go with um, the 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 ratings that I have now range from one to I think seven. I don't have any really powerful ones on there for the reasons I mentioned. So I'm going to go with uh, four ones this time. Okay. So two, two one-ranking superpowers and two one-ranking drawbacks. Gotcha. All right. So I think I'm going to go with um, – all right. So for the first superpower, precipitation cannot land on you. So uh, – you know, rain, snow. I could ask all these qualifying questions. I assume. yeah, yeah. You all can ask. You can really dig down into it, and we'll try to work out what this power actually is. Can't land on you. Uh, it bounces off of um, an invisible and an intangible field that's about uh, five inches from your body. Oh, five. In- so it's a bit five inches. I mean, that kind of yeah. matters. Is it not like virtually hovering above no. the skin? You're saying there's like not, a little. There's bit of a distance. field around you. You look really cool if you stand out in the pouring rain. It looks cool. like it's bouncing around, around kind of your. If someone were to take a hose to me, I mean, it's not getting through. Oh, uh, no, the hose, hose will get you wet. This is precipitation only. Oh, so, I was going to ask what happens when I jump in a pool or no, something. No, nothing. That has no effect. This only, what if someone spits on me? Nope, that's not precipitation. Well, <laughs> I guess I should just ask what precipitation means. But it's rain, snow. Yeah, the stuff that um, comes from clouds. I mean, it's Yeah, like so waterfalls effects. would get me wet. What, um, yeah, on, the only things that won't land on you are rain, snow, sleet, hail, fog, technically. Hail. I could go out in a hailstorm. You thinking. can. Oh, man. You could. It's yeah. precipitation. Fog, I guess. I've experienced. I don't think. I don't know if fog oh, yeah, is fog. actually classified as precipitation i don't think so can we assume but for we the can. sake that it does dodge me for, within five inches yes you know, we'll we will that's an additional benefit of the superpower even though it's not cool. really precipitation i'm also, thinking i use it for more cool effects you know one other benefit um, that that i think i want to add on is that um your shoes stay dry in puddles as well um puddles so, and if i went hiking through sludgy stuff what's happening then um only if it's puddles formed by well I went Sludgy hiking stuff. When no, I went hiking no, in New no, Zealand no. through like pretty icy stuff, like 
it was no, important. That you this is only that. for this is only for if you're walking around in a rainstorm, you can pretty much be perfectly comfortable. You know, as if you were walking oh, okay. around. Okay, I see what you're saying. You're just saying if, if I can go into, I can walk to my car in a storm in flip flops and shorts and yeah, with whatever, no inconvenience, and, and no inconvenience. Yes. Okay. So okay, so, so that's the superpower. I um, like it. If you think of any more questions to ask, feel free. Um, okay. So now uh, the the other superpower is by by placing your palms together uh, and pressing as hard as you can for five seconds, you can create. Uh, a match, a toothpick, or a penny. Those are the three things. Uh, you can choose whichever one you want. And so you put your palms together and press for five seconds as hard as you can. And then when you pull your palms apart, you have one of those items. In a there. match, a toothpick, or a penny. Yep. And if I wanted to within, say, well, I would say 15 seconds. No, but let's you can call do it 20 seconds to do all three. I could get all three. Yeah, or if I wanted to make tons and tons of money, I could just... Only takes five <laughs> seconds. So I did the calculations just to see if this, how powerful this was. <laughs> and if you spend a 12-hour day doing nothing but making pennies with no... And you're pretty strong because you have to press really hard. That's exactly right. If you do it with no breaks, then you make about $86. Oh. So, oh. so if you had a job that was just you know somehow hands-free and... Uh, I don't know a job that's that hands free. Well, um, yeah, you could make some supplemental if you had a, if you were a podcaster. It's not worth it. Though. <laughs> if no one knows right now. I'm like oh, squeezing out here. pennies. <laughs> Sorry, just squeezing out pennies here. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. And then a match and a what was it? Toothpick. Yeah, toothpick. <sighs> um. Okay, so my knee jerk reaction before really thinking about it is is well, you I'm don't taking, have to. You don't have to pick between these. Well, well, okay, you can. You can weigh these two if you want to weigh these before you hear the drawbacks. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I, I, I thought I thought I was choosing one of those, and then... Are you saying I have to choose one of these and then one of the drawbacks? Yes, you have to take a drawback along with one of these superpowers. Oh, uh, okay. I, I, I'm silly for... I thought we... I felt stupid. Okay, so I understand. Well, can I tell you my thoughts on those two things before we move sure. on? Sure. Like my yeah, knee sure. jerk is to say that the fact that superpower number two actually produces something uh, tangible. I mean, a match could. It seems more likely that a match could save your life or make you far more comfortable in a very uncomfortable situation. Well, I was gonna say, you know, like like if you need a fire and it's a cold night, it could save your life or something like that. Could and, and yeah. rain. I mean, I suppose staying dry could also save your life. Uh, could be, but, but it seems to me that I'm not that inconvenient. I'm not the kind of person who needs an umbrella when it's raining, even pretty hard to walk to my car. I'm just like, eh, yeah, it kind of sucks to have my hair wet and my shirt wet. Right, um, and I mean, I wear a power, tie to work. That kind of suck. Yeah, it wouldn't suck at all. It wouldn't even kind of suck. Um, but I could see a, a moment where like, I need a freaking match like really badly. And, ah, oh, that's a big relief. But it's further it, – I can't actually point to a time in my life. So it's rare mm-hmm. that that would happen. Whereas it's, I guess, mm-hmm. frequent that I deal with thunderstorms, especially being in Florida. So Right. This th- is so, the exact reason why I paired these two. It's a really great balance. Again, my knee jerk still leans toward the the toothpick. Like getting something out of my teeth in a in a business interview is more crucial than. But I guess I suppose staying dry again, uh, you know. Okay, 
pretty good balance. All right, I'll give it to you. Let's hear the cons. All right, so for the drawbacks, um, for these, I think we're going to say... All right, um, we'll say that uh, we'll do this one. Anything, anything with a hinge or a drawer uh, that you open or any furniture that you sit on squeaks. Uh, and WD-40 or anything like that doesn't doesn't help. Um, Irreparable. They just squeak. How much are they, how loud are they squeaking? Uh, just a normal. I mean, nothing unusual. Just no, you know. Are people going to remark the moment I sit down? That no, like they're they're not going to remark because it's a normal amount of squeaking. But it, if I were to rock back and forth frequently, they would they would be like, oh, God. Could you, could you stop that squeaking, please? Yeah. I mean, yeah. But sure. not the minute the minute I sit down, they're not going to go. Holy crap! No, you are, no, no. That is it's a not an unusual chair. squeak. I mean. You know, like just imagine your desk chair squeaked. Then you know that sure. that happens when you sit in it. But it doesn't only happen with your desk chair. It happens with your car seat, your couch, your bed. I was about to ask, wait, things that don't typically. I mean, yeah, anything, count, I guess. any furniture you sit on, and anything with a hinge or drawer that you open. So you open your door, your car door. You sit down in your seat, and uh, your you couch know. squeaks. Even if it's a plush leather thing that yep. doesn't squeak, it, it's somehow like it it, squeaks. that's the drawback. This plagues you. Everything yeah. squeaks. A normal amount, again, like... Opening your computer squeaks. Yep, has a hinge, so it squeaks. Now, this is going to sound like a stupid question, but I think it's really important. Are they... Is the sa- Does the sound vary, or is it the same sound, it, same squeaky sound? It varies, just like normal squeaky objects vary. Okay. Um, because, well, the reason I ask is if it was the same squeaky sound, I think you could be driven insane a lot faster than the varying squeaks. Maybe. Do you see, like, if I, I would get so irritated with that same freaking squeak, I would just... It would mm-hmm. kind of like your yawns. You Do you know, really you discriminate between pitch. squeaks that much? I think I, I, I'm just saying because all of a sudden squeaks are going to become, especially if you've told me, Daniel, you're going to be experiencing squeaks with almost everything that can squeak. And some things that don't squeak typically, now they're going to squeak. So I'm going to be, you've primed me to be sensitive to the squeak. Now, if well, it's let the me, same Let squeak, me pose this okay. question to you. Um, mm-hmm. Well, because I've had, I've been in this situation before trying to, sleep you know maybe at someone else's house or just some somewhere that i'm not used to or even in my room and unfortunate times my ceiling fan you know might make a click every time it rotates or something and it's the same repetitive click then i can try to tune it out but but there there have also been times when like the dangling cords they because the fan's rotating and the vibration isn't necessarily rhythmic they jingle. They jingle and they hit the light inconsistently. Sometimes. Inconsistently, and so it'll yeah. be pink, 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 something like that. that. I appreciate and that, that. That now I can visualize it better. Right, I can visualize that sound. That <laughs> drives me. That that is worse. If it was just repetitive, I might be able to tune it out better. So, you know, in, in that same sense, if the squeak was identical every time, you might be able to tune it out more easily. Uh, I. Yeah, I suppose. But so. that's not the case. Everything has its own unique squeak, just like every human being has their own unique faults and flaws. <laughs> yeah, it's a metaphor. These squeaks. So, um, everything squeaks. I'm trying to think if I have any more questions. Uh, oh, ceiling fan was a good question. Are, are all my ceiling fans squeaking? Um. No, or, no, okay. I don't. I don't think they should. I agree. No, with they you don't. It's when they you don't squeak necessarily as much as they make a racket or have some something off of the. Balance. Yeah, your ceiling fans aren't aren't affected. Um, maybe uh, 
Yeah, your ceiling fans aren't affected. If you have like a, a box fan or, you know, a, a floor fan and it has a, a, a stand rotating. or something yeah. and you like physically move it, then it squeaks when you do that. But if you're not actually performing the action on the object and moving it, then it doesn't squeak. Other people I have a tower like, fan if you have that a, rotates. Does that, that should squeak, I think. No, that doesn't squeak unless squeak, you move it. Okay. Like okay. If yeah. if if I were to come to your apartment and sit on your couch, it wouldn't squeak. But then if if you sat down in the same spot that I did, it would it would squeak. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so if I had someone, if I had if I hired a slave to open all my doors, yeah, they wouldn't I mean, of squeak. Course, like, they wouldn't squeak. Uh, Why would you hire a slave? Um, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. I would <laughs> command my slave. <laughs> Oh, Oh, man. Um, Okay, that was the first one, right? Yeah, that's the first one, so everything squeaks. Um, The the second one uh, is probably a little more simple. Don't don't qualify yet. The hair on the left side of your body grows three times as fast as the hair on the right side of your body. Mm. So... Um, does it, does arm hair still stop? Cause like I don't shape, like, arm hair just magically stops, which I'm not sure why, by the way, it doesn't get longer and longer. It just, it's reached its capacity. So it doesn't affect arm hair, leg hair. It would affect facial hair. I mean, it um, does affect arm hair and leg hair, but you if just, I shaved it, you yeah, just, well, it does anyway, regardless of whether you shave it or not, but you just might not notice the effects. Right. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of any questions I have about that. Uh, three times faster. Mm-hmm. Three times faster than so. I have my current th- right now is my baseline. It's just that it's going to go three times faster than it does now, and my right side stays the same. That's right. Because that's different than saying it's going to grow how it does now, but my right side is three times slower or something. Even um. though the difference is what's annoying, but. Three times faster because I shave. I currently like to shave uh, Sunday nights because that gets me fresh for the week, and then Wednesday nights because I, my hair doesn't grow particularly fast. Um, but by Wednesday night, it's like, eh, you need to shave, mm-hmm. and then I'm fresh through. In fact, two days after my shave, I look my best. So you know, I wake up fresh Thursday, but there's a little bit of stubble Friday, feeling sexy. It's really nice, and then who cares how I look on Saturday and Sunday? Um, and so Sunday night I'm shaving again. So that would actually, if it's three times as fast, I think you've just kind of, I've gone from two times a week to, well, you know, you can, you're the math guy. Uh, <laughs> I'm shaving a lot more, three well, times yeah. as much. I mean, it definitely, you have to deal with it. That's for sure. Um, I mean, you would probably have to shave daily to make things. That's pretty, that's a, that and, sucks. And I don't like mess, shaving. It messes up your hairstyle too. Your oh head, yeah, yeah, yeah. Head hairstyle, but you can probably. Know why I, didn't jump. I, I don't know why I completely ignored hair on my head, <laughs> which you, is you... <laughs> yeah, when you That's... say hair, people think hair on your head, and I'm thinking, you know, well, I actually thought about knuckle hair. I don't know why. Knuckle that was what hair. In my head. Oh, why no, am I? Hey, when you talk about hair, oh yeah, so you're talking about knuckle hair. <laughs> yeah. Why is your hand so hairy? Oh well, you know, I didn't want rain to get on me, so <laughs> I chose this drawback. Oh man. Um So so yeah, I'm having to get a haircut three times as often. Though, and well, this was maybe not. I mean, if you could, pro- pro- well, I guess in the long run you would have to get a, your haircut three times. If as I often. want to maintain, but um, 
But you could probably find some hairstyle, some stupid new age Skrillex do hairstyle that would let you flop no, over half of your no, head. No, no, no. no. <laughs> okay, I'm not no. doing that. Um, but and this actually affects the answer, and it's a quick aside. Um, I recently bought um, a haircutting kit. Did I tell you that? Uh, I think you said that you were going to have your girlfriend cut your hair. Yes, and I bought a $60 kit because in my mind, like, okay, if I get three haircuts out of this, um, you know, that's worth it. And she's willing to, happy to. uh, And so I got, she cut my hair the first time. It comes with a little um, a clippers and scissors and all the different guards and uh, a few other things. I don't even remember. Um, but the clippers, they were heavy duty. I was impressed. They were they, they were solid. And when you turn when you turn on that buzz, I mean, it has that deep, like ready to cut through anything. Um, and right. she especially we, hair, especially hair, as if it were made for it. And um, she gave me a decent haircut. And I would say this to her face, like it wasn't the best haircut I've ever gotten, uh, but it was very acceptable. And I would say I get worse haircuts. Uh, 30 to 40% of the time. So right in a slightly below average haircut is what I would Man, call it. Man, that's great. Um, no, that's wonderful, s- actually. Yeah. And and then get this. Uh, so so a few weeks pass, and I'm like, you know, considering I have this thing, and she was working a lot, and I thought uh, we did we did like a six on the side, which is still pretty long. It's not like a super buzz or by any means. I don't like my hair really short. I don't really like it long either. I, in fact, when I get haircuts, I don't want people to come up and go, oh my God, you got a haircut. I would, I'd prefer... It to just not really be noticed, and I'd like them to say, "Oh, did you uh, did you get a haircut?" And like mm-hmm. as if they're not quite sure. Like that's the optimum haircut for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I took an eight clipper, which is pretty long, uh, because I thought the six was not that you know not that short. So uh, I did the eight, and I just impulsively, seriously, impulsively, mid TV show, paused it. I'd been kind of annoyed with this, some of the hair uh, on the top of my head, and so I just I did the whole thing on my head, Bennett. The whole thing and yeah. uh, looks good. I mean, or not, I won't say good. Uh, it just was very acceptable and freshing wow. up. And so, um, all of is that. This to say, the, is this the great scam that's been like? Have we been hoodwinked? I like, believe can, we absolutely can, have because you're. Can paying, you just can you just take this device and run it over your head with on a particular setting and have a good haircut? Um, especially if you're not picky. I think we've been hoodwinked uh, more culturally, more significantly in the fact that we think we want... People get into this kind of like they order their coffee with their cream and their silliness. Like, you know, I want a six on the side, then I want it faded in, and then I want... Like, it's it's bullshit. No one's looking at you and going, hey, that's a, that's a six, isn't it? And that's like, oh, I can see the little fade. I mean, I get that a professional haircut is, you know, great or whatever, but I'm certainly not going to tell the difference between some... I mean, like girls that do, or, or I should say, people, I guess. But if you get if you're getting dye jobs and all of that, look, that's out. I'm not talking about curling hair and all this. Yeah, crazy sure. You're talking stuff. about talking your about your normal guy. A haircut. guy that goes in and says, "I want it shorter." Like that's where I'm at. Like, yeah, that's I, me too. Like I want it shorter, but not too short, and don't make it look bad. I mean, obviously, it's like my mom saying, uh, ordering, you know, bacon and saying, "Don't burn the the, the bacon, please." I like it crispy, not burned. Um, <laughs> that's actually how she orders bacon, by the way. And I tell her it sounds rude. I wouldn't say to them, I want it huh, short, yeah. but not crappy looking. Well, you know? you know, yeah, I guess you're right. Well, I don't know. Like, for whatever reason, the to ask, you know, I want my bacon crispy, but not burnt. For some reason, that strikes me as worse than telling your your hair cutter person to, you know, I want it, I want it short, but don't don't make it look bad. 
I don't know why. Uh, um, Although, you know, when when I think about it and compare those two examples, yeah, you should, probably shouldn't say that to your... They're very similar. Your hair cutter. Yeah, they're so. very, very similar. They're both they're both making a request, crispy or short, and then not burned is saying, hey, don't screw this up, and don't make this look bad is saying, hey, don't screw this up. I don't see really a difference. Where are maybe, you seeing the Maybe it's because... Maybe it's because the... So the same haircut doesn't look equally good on every person. So if you go in and you say, I want just a normal haircut, then the person may give you a normal haircut and it'll look bad on you. And so really what you're saying, or at least when when I've said things similar, I don't say don't make it look bad. Mm -hmm. Um, I say, I'm not very picky. I trust you. Just make it look nice. That's what I say. Yeah, and, that's, um, and that emphasizes the positive. Anyway. That emphasizes the positive, but but really, I think when you say "don't make it look bad," that's you're probably just saying that same thing. You know, like I trust your judgment. Uh, make my haircut look okay. Uh, does that make any sense? Uh, um, yeah. Well, the difference yeah. between the haircut and the bacon is that um, you know bacon. Well, a crispy bacon put on a plate in front of everyone is the same crispy bacon. Right. I mean, yeah, it can discounting the whole burnt, not burnt thing. It's the bacon is the same. Whereas yeah. a haircut, the same haircut on different people could look different. Right. right. Different faces, different shapes, different right. head, scalp, skull, whatever. Right. right. I still don't think it's the best thing to say to uh, your, your, your barbershop gentleman um, when you're <laughs> sitting down in the chair. Uh, probably phrase it differently, but... Um, but well, I, yeah, I actually say to them, I say two things. I trust your judgment like you do. And I say what I said earlier is I don't want people to go, whoa, you got a haircut. But as you can see, and usually my hair seems to wing out on the sides and I say these are wings and I kind of tug on them and I say, I don't, I don't want these anymore. They should be, I, I want them gone. Uh, and I trust your judgment, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of this is to say that people, if people who cut hair would probably listen to this and, and, and be indignant you know listening to us why there is there isn't well they would oh you mean because of being replaced by clippers yes which we'll get back to in a minute but yeah just saying oh yeah just just run the eight over your head and you're fine because i know that there's more to it i just don't have a passion and perhaps i'm ignorant and will change my mind later but it's the same length all over it's not too short and i was thinking i will i will gradually build to a little bit more complex i think i'll do an 8 all over and then try 7 on the sides because yeah i do think you have to shape according to your face and start to understand yourself and then and then you need to fade the two or else it could look bad um is there a chance I, that you you did the 8 all over your head but maybe maybe all the hair on your head wasn't at you know at 8 length so uh, so maybe there's a chance. Yes, yes, that's a good point. Because what happened is when when my girlfriend cut my hair, she she did a six on the sides and scissored the top, but did not the very very like front of my because you know I wear my hair just back. Um, mm-hmm. She did not cut that, so it ended up being like it was getting really long, or it was falling down. It it would not go back as much as just fall down. Mm-hmm. It was being silly, and I was constantly having to brush my hair back. And so that's when I just said, "Screw it!" Did the eight all over, which you know my sides might not have. So you're right. you're absolutely right. Well, that's um, a difference too, at least between you and I, um, is that you you wear your hair back, right? You kind of uh, yes. Pull it back, and, and I don't. 
but, do that. But the eight leaves it long enough, it will fall down. Like, it will go, you know, it's not going to be... I just suspect you'd be quite pleased and should at least... Hmm. It, if I, I, I get really clippers, do. then I don't, I don't even need to bother with a girlfriend then. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't think I need to with her anymore other than... Well, I asked her, what do you think? And she's, you know, she's going to tell me, like, oh, it looks bad. Like, don't do that again or whatever. And she looked and she said, yeah, looks good. Um, so that was her take on it. So back to that. All of that, all of that was to say that this hair growing three times faster is... Maybe might not be in, that big of a deal to you. Especially in the last... We're talking two weeks that this is a discovery. It's a new discovery and I can update you as time changes. Well, definitely, I, definitely keep me informed about that. I expect on the next podcast to hear your hair update. <laughs> well, I mean, but I'm not going to cut my hair every week or anything. But I could. Why not? You have your own clippers, man. Yeah, I mean, it's if it's as quick. Because this took, it. first of all, it's doing it by myself, and you can't see everything. You, so I kept feeling and kept running it over. Uh, and, and first of all, being sure that it wasn't cutting it shorter each time. Um, but I went over my head in like 30 seconds. And then so you do another run through just to make sure. And then you do like a fourth or a third or a fourth. And then you're done within a matter of minutes, and you're like, wow, that was easy. It was fast. Uh, it was even. It doesn't look ridiculous. Um, and then there's sideburns, and, you know, she could go touch up my neck or something. Or if I did if I did mirrors correctly, I could probably touch up my neck myself. Um, all of that. But, Man. oh, and the cleanup, like what to do with your hair, that's a little bit of a pain in the ass. Yeah, um, a little but, bit, you know, but If you so do it right, I, like, to- well, totally I, worth it. Like I, mean, I hate haircuts. I absolutely hate haircuts. Uh, it's one of my least favorite things to do. So, is it because of the social interaction and the cost and the the driving the chore that the, the entire all of it is? yeah all of that all of those things I I don't like mm-hmm. uh, I don't like any of it and I mean I could rant about haircuts I'll spare <laughs> I'll spare you for now since we're already down the rabbit hole on the, <laughs> yeah all on of this, this for your for your original question of uh, yeah. hair growing through so let's get back to that so. Uh, that's probably not that significant, whereas the squeaking could be uh, significant. Uh, it is a little freaky to have a body modification, uh, you know, sort of negative thing. Like, okay, you're going to experience this, but it's so mild. I'm, I'm assuming, and there's, there's no extra pain or feeling, or no. I'm not lethargic because my energy is now <laughs> being, you know, I mean, producing hair. I guess a technically. Little. I guess um, technically your body is using a little bit more energy. But yeah, it's, triple. It's, yeah. Uh, or, or I guess half of triple. Uh, <laughs> whatever yeah. that is. Whatever that is. That's, that's, uh, that's math beyond me. Um, but but seriously, I don't think it's going to make any any impact. Whereas the squeaking, it's actually hard to predict. Like I'm trying to think of my future self 40 years down the road and how annoyed am I at these squeaks. Am I able to... I, I cannot know with certainty. It, it, the question comes down to which can I know more certainly, that I'm super annoyed with my haircuts or I'm super annoyed with the squeaky everything. And it mm. seems to me, if I'm if knowing myself and predicting my future self, that I'm going to be more annoyed or I'm more likely to be annoyed with the squeaky chair or the, or the squeaky everything than mm. I am uh, with my hair cutting uh, or my hair growing a little faster. Mm. I think I could adapt to shaving more often uh, the reason I don't now is my skin is sensitive and it looks fine. But I think my skin would actually potentially get tougher. I've heard if you shave every day, you know, your skin does adapt. Yeah. Um, 
And so I just I think that's the case. Yeah. Uh, so that's probably the drawback you're going with then, I suppose. So I'm probably going to say my hair is going to grow the left side of my body three times faster. All right. And and what about for the superpower? Which one? Uh, I'm towards? still I'm still. Okay, I know it rains more often, but I consider that personally a mild inconvenience. Uh, my girlfriend will want to grab an umbrella if it's raining, which I think is reasonable. Most people, I guess, do. Um, yeah, I've she, had, she would still have to. Sure, sure. But I'm but, just saying that in the, in, in the average person, and I would not know what the average person would say because they're pretty annoyed with the rain. Like, oh, it messes up my hair and this, that, and the other. Um, uh, you know... So does this also protect my shoes, this rain, uh, in terms of the weather, you know, them becoming weathered over Unless time? Unless your shoes are so big that they're more than five inches from your body. Which they're not, so it should then. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and that's the, the puddle thing, too. Um, and that's why my clothes are also remaining dry during that. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Sweat's not affected. It's not. So if you're wearing a cape or something, then and the cape <laughs> flails out behind you, it'll still get wet. If it's... <laughs> If it sticks out more, well, that than changes inches. everything. All my capes are now in question about the, or I, I could just not wear them on rainy days. Yeah. Um, I I think I want the match, the toothpick, and the penny. I don't like mm-hmm. the penny is probably if I can just for a second. I think the match would be most useful. Although I Why? might end up, pre- um, I mean the ability to create fire or at least aid you in creating fire yeah but how often do you need a match well that but when i need fire like when do you need fire uh lighting grills um maybe maybe i'll get into magic in the future you don't know (laughs) well that's the thing Um, all right yeah okay so that's what your that's your choices well first i think do you think the do you think the, the superpower justifies the drawback Oh, I so mean, would, if will, you, now if, will if you could I take choose to just walk two. away from this choice, you can just say, nah. Uh, not, do not, I, do I impress, is there an impressive, like if I do this, like watch this and I manufacture or yeah. I materialize out of my hand a match and it, like, I yeah. get to impress people just like, it, it's our same world. They just get to see. Yeah, everything appear. is exactly the same. You well, just then get these things. That alone, uh, that alone, you know, I like, so you think I, I'm. I'm a needy people person. I want to impress. Yeah, I think that alone right. is like pretty. That might throw everything out of balance because that's pretty freaking cool. And scientists would want to study well, me and all of that. But we're gonna. I don't want to go down that too far. So well, yeah, um, you would probably have to. I mean, but it's basically know, a parlor no can, trick. I can. No one can really. force you to do it, right? So you'd probably avoid scientific study with that power. Right, and so it's a neat parlor trick that really impresses people. And I would go up to like magicians and say, "You study me," and you know they know all the tricks of the trade, and they'd study me and not be able to figure it out. And I would just present it as a magic trick, I think. Yeah, um, but but also, you know, that's the only trick you can do. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you're probably there's probably some kind of you're like a one trick honey. <laughs> yeah, a, a, a one trick, a one trick one, a one trick homie. <laughs> that's what they call it. Oh, yeah, I think it is a one-trick homie. Uh, yeah, I think it's one-trick wonder. Um, ah, yeah, that's yeah. right. So, one-trick wonder. You know, when you, when you, you produce one trick. You've just got a one-trick one mind. mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't care about that because, you know. You could also impress people with the with the precipitation. Oh, thing. that's true. Um, 
But, but that then, is true. But I think the as far as for a parlor trick, the the match penny toothpick thing is probably a little bit more impressive. Right. Well, just more useful rather. So, because otherwise uh, you have to wait until it rains and then go, "Hey, everyone, look at me!" <laughs> and then people yeah. they would be impressed, but you also can't turn that off. And I've, you'd be more yeah, likely. There's no to autonomy be, there. You just do it if you want to yeah, enjoy the rain and open up your mouth. Like, uh, yeah, you can't. You can't. So, kind of a drawback, I suppose, in that way. But honestly, like, no, really. it's, it's worth it. Um, but I'm absolutely and enthusiastically accepting the con of triple my hair growth on the left side of my body for mm. the ability to produce a match and a penny and hmm. uh, a toothpick. Absolutely. Right. Like, right. like I'm surprised it once, once faced with it like that and thinking about that. Oh, it's absolutely. Uh, I got to turn the question to you now. I'd like to hear what you think. Um, I think uh, I would probably take the precipitation one instead of the match penny toothpick one. Is it just, just because, because it comes up I never need a match. Than, I've yeah. never. I don't think I've ever needed a match in my entire life. I like candles um, a lot. I wouldn't have to buy those uh, grill starter things. So yeah, I mean the grill starter things are more convenient. Just way anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're just better than matches. Oh, it doesn't have a match book either. I'm assuming it's just a match. No, now just you learn one what to do. So I'd have to carry. Match. A, I'd have to carry around a little match book thing Why? or something. Oh, to, to strike it. it. You have to strike it. I you mean. can strike it on your teeth. Or now you don't That's have to shave, or you know, you, one side of your face will probably be scratchy all the time, so you can just scratch it on your face. <laughs> yeah. So you pick the synergistic uh, superpower and draw back. Yeah. I planned it that way. Yes, you did, and I, and I passed the test. Um, you passed the test. Uh, yeah, I just don't ever need matches. I'm happy with girl starters. Uh, the penny isn't valuable enough for me to you know, be useful. To, I don't use toothpicks ever, really, so... Um, none of the things are valuable. The only benefit is for like, you know, a parlor trick, you know, look, look what I can do. And you know, there's some value in that, but meh. Yeah. But if you don't use, if you don't use toothpicks, then when you're like sitting on a stoop and, you know, like flipping your, your quarter, uh, what do you, what do you have in your mouth? Um, I usually go with a piece of straw, Mm, you know, tumbleweed kind of thing. Um, I don't, I don't think that's what people put in their mouth. Um, like a I feel piece like of you weed, gnaw on some tumbleweed. Maybe that's with like uh, suspenders. I, I don't know. I, maybe I don't I'm think it's tumbleweed though, right? But yeah, like I what do usually people gnaw on? Like when they have their straw hats and their isn't it like yeah. a piece of wheat or, or that's a, it? It's a piece of something wheat. like that. It's not tumbleweed. Yeah. Well, what I don't think what tumbleweed is tumbleweed? Is it the thing? Tumbleweed f- are the big balls that roll through deserted towns. But they're not balls. Uh, of stuff. Are they made of tumbleweed, or is that just a term to describe the collection of dust and? Uh, I think they're thing, actual. The weed that I think it's actual. They're actual plants. So they grow out of the ground in this circular. Um... No, they don't. Gr- they don't <laughs> grow like that. But I, I, I could be wrong here. I haven't researched tumbleweeds lately. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's minutes. one kind of plant that, you know, it grows in a one single spot, of course, and then the wind blows, and it just is more prone to. It's still called tumbleweed, though. Rolling away. When it's in place. Uh, yeah, when it's not tumbling, or is it just weed? I think it's just weed then. (laughs) (laughs) Just weed. Just weed. Uh, Yeah, so I think I I would take the uh, precipitation not hitting me. Uh, I also don't find it that annoying to be rained on, but, you know, that is a benefit. Do you own an umbrella? 
I do own an umbrella, but I, I very rarely use it. Um, if it's raining a regular amount of rain, everyone would just agree it's regular. It's not light. It's not heavy. And you have to walk to your car, uh, which well, is just, over 100 paces. Are you? Well, I rarely have to walk over 100 paces to my car. Okay. Um, well, 100 so, paces isn't that far, really, I know. right? Like, so. yeah, that's, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I don't really have to do that. I don't have much call to go out in the rain. Now, when I worked down in Florida... Um, and, uh, it, it, in one place that I worked, I had to walk, there was a long walk from the building to my car and, you know, it would rain often in the evenings when I would get up, when I would leave from work. And that, if I didn't have an umbrella was actually inconvenient. So it would be useful in times like that. But in my current circumstances, it would probably not really help me out all that much, but it would be cool. It, it would benefit me a teeny tiny amount at some points, whereas the match penny toothpick thing, eh, you know, I mean, it, I could make it benefit me a, a little bit, but most of the time it would just, you know, not be that great. So I think I choose the precipitation one. Um, for the drawback, I think I'm going to agree with you and pick the, the hair thing, just because the squeaking would drive me nuts. Mm-hmm. And um, then would you, would you accept it? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, actually, actually, no, I don't think I would. I would just not, I would say, no, you can keep your stuff. It's hard to predict how annoying the hair thing would be. I don't think it'd bother me that much, but if I accepted it, also I'm assuming these terms are once I've accepted it, I can't go back. Like, oh yeah, it's non-refundable. This. Like you've, <laughs> you're, you've got it forever. Right. So, yeah, uh, I just don't think... I don't know how crazy I could be driven by hair growing a little faster. And also, the first time I had it, I'm going to test this to make sure it's true. And assuming it is true, it'd be fascinating to see my facial hair grow at three times the rate. Like, I'd just be curious about it. And you could yeah. still maintain a beard and just well, trim it. Well, you could also be a really good villain <laughs> because you could just not cut your hair at all. And you would look really strange and lopsided. And, and with like, like t- two faces, and you could yeah, call yourself kind of, kind of like that. You could call face. yourself, yeah, dual face, double face. <laughs> yeah, just you know, double beard, double beard, two beard, old two beard Dan. <laughs> there you go. Well, there we go. That's a pretty interesting thing, don't you think? I think that's I, a pretty really good like way to. That. I mean, it, we ended up talking about it for a long time, but. I think it's kind of interesting and a good way to start off the conversation sometimes. It when doesn't have li- to be every time. When we listen back to these, how, how critical uh, – okay, so you and I wander and ask qualifying questions, and that's part of our MO. Um, and we've talked about this before, but, like, should we listen to it with a critical eye and go, oh, we are we are asking too many qualifying questions. We're not getting to the point because that could be a 10-minute segment. Um I could I could easily have that conversation, and I was just actually examining every aspect and truly digging. No, 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 I like um, it. Yeah, you're I, good I like with it that. the way it is. Yeah. Um, I like it the way it is. Yeah. Um, well, I've got something I'd like to bring up, and it seems fitting for it to be on the first podcast that we do. Oh yeah. Um, and that is the idea that observation uh, impacts or affects reality. Uh, and if, in, in 1998, they actually did a scientific study of electrons. Uh, mm-hmm. And are you aware yeah, of this? I know about this. And so this yeah, is. I learn about this. Okay, well then correct me if, if you're learning about no, it. In, I don't. 
I don't know the details. Okay, and we don't have to anymore. go into too much of the details. I have a few bullet points I can. No, uh, remind me. Yeah, tell me about it. Um, well, first of all, I want to qualify and say I don't think that this is pop science. This isn't one of those things that, like, if you eat chocolate, you're smarter. And then we've done one study and of ten people, and you know these sort of pop pseudoscientist scientific yeah, yeah, yeah. claims and all of that. This seems to be this is solidified, interesting science that says electrons behave differently when observed um and it's it's one of the most bizarre premises of quantum theory which has long fascinated philosophers and physicists alike and it states that by the very act of watching the observer affects the observed reality and Mm -hmm. so at this wiseman (laughs) i literally think it's pronounced wiseman w-e-i-z-m-a-n-n this institute this scientific institute Sounds like right. wise man. Wiseman Institute researchers, uh, they built a tiny device measuring less than one micron in size, uh, which had a barrier with, uh, with two openings. They then sent mm-hmm. a current of electrons towards the barrier. So the observer in this experiment wasn't human. Um, the Institute scientists used for this purpose a tiny but sophisticated electronic detector. No, this is the device, the sophisticated uh, electronic detector. That I thought the sp- observer... <laughs> that can spot passing electrons. The quantum observer's capacity to detect electrons could be altered by changing its electrical conductivity uh, or mm-hmm. the strength of the current passing through it. Right. So apart from observing, which that word observing, really it's detecting, right? So apart from observing the electrons, the detector had no effect on the current. Yet the scientists found that the very presence of the detector... Uh, near one of the openings caused changes in the interference pattern of the electron waves passing through the opening of the barrier. In fact, this effect was dependent on the amount of the observation, meaning when the observer's capacity to detect electrons increased, uh, in other words, when the level of observation went up, the interference weakened. In contrast, when its capacity to detect electrons was reduced, in other words, when the observation slackened, the interference increased. So thus, by controlling the properties of the quantum um, observer, the scientist managed to control the extent of its influence on the electron's behavior. Uh, So basically, again, uh, observer affecting the observed, even when it's not participating. It's literally not doing anything but detecting, and that Mm -hmm. detection is influencing. Now, I don't know if that means we're at the limits of scientists, and clearly it is participating in a way we don't understand currently, Mm -hmm. or if truly there is something, there's a physical property to observation that we, you know... Uh, Well, I'll tell you my thoughts on that, and again, I haven't, I haven't read about this in a really long time and Mm -hmm. never really in all that much depth but as an engineer what comes to mind is that well you know the world is complex and even these experiments that you try to simplify it's really hard to control for every single variable Mm -hmm. and when you're dealing with things that are invisible to the the naked eye you have to rely on your instruments to give you to tell you what's going on and our instruments are somewhat limited um and so there's just there's a lot a lot of things that could go wrong there's a lot of things that could potentially influence what you're trying to observe and the influence may not 
be what you think it is. So I'm sure that the experimenters in this case, uh, you know, tried to control for everything they could, and they they probably controlled for this as well. But one thing that comes to mind for me is that while you have your detector and you're trying to detect very, very small things, electrons are really, really, really tiny. They're like less than an inch big, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, at less and, than an inch, maybe, maybe, maybe a millimeter, maybe even a. Well, let's not get carried away. <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, so they fit a bunch and, of them in um, um, energy drinks, Gatorade. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Got to replenish right. your uh, on the same which... on the same brain length. <laughs> Brilliant minds thinking think in a, a similar, similar fashion. fashion. <laughs> um. So. Uh, what I was saying, oh yeah, so you know, uh, the detector probably an electronic device of some kind. Uh, I, you know, there could be some sort of very, very, very faint electromagnetic field around the detector that that could potentially influence the path of the electrons very subtly. Even if it's not an electromagnetic field, everything with matter uh, uh, produces a gravitational influence, right? And so. Uh, electrons are very small and could potentially be influenced by the gravitational effects of things nearby. Now, well, this I'm just, one's less than one micron in size. I don't know what a micron I know. is. A, mi- a micron is uh, a unit of distance measurement. Um, if I remember correctly, it's it's a it's a micrometer, so it's one one thousandth of a millimeter. Uh, if so, I remember correctly, it's ten to the minus sixth. So less than an inch. A little, yeah, somewhat mm-hmm. less than an inch. Okay, just to clarify for our audience. Right. They probably weren't aware. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, and, and again, the, the experimenters probably you know, were, were able to rule this out, and I'm just spitballing off the top of my head. But there's also the possibility that there are things that we have not yet discovered, especially at the quantum level, that uh, that could also be influencing. So the the idea that there's just some magical principle that observation of a thing influences the thing that's well that's just not specific enough for me i think mm-hmm. and that's probably what scientists actually understand and it just gets translated into you know the popular understanding as observation causes an effect but um i think it just means that there's some phenomena either either known and unrecognized or unknown that's actually causing some sort of physical interaction and by physical i mean well, it could be electromagnetic as well, or gravitational. So, do you so, think that? But I do think it's I do think it's a really interesting thing. I I, I like scientific mysteries like that, um, and so I well, think that's it's really especially titillating. And I'd like to think that there's something we don't understand on the quantum physics level, and that it's not um, simply just error. Because they released this, it seems to be ingrained in our scientific uh, knowledge. So it leads me to believe that it's not like just some well. Error Even if we, on their end with their tools. Um, uh, well, I mean, oh, sure, there's error, but I'm saying it wasn't a badly run test. As far as they could control everything, they ran it multiple times, they eliminated other possibilities, and within reason, they're able to state that as far with all the information we have, yeah. we with turn all on the information. That's the key. Yeah. That's the key with all the information we have. That's yeah. the key because. Yeah. We may not have all the information. I mean, look back at like Marie Curie and stuff testing the you know X rays, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, remind me honestly, I you know, 
I said, well, mm, you know, like I know exactly what that was the x-ray, about. the discovery of x-rays. Yeah. And, you know, they ended up with, I believe they ended up with cancer um, because they were experimenting with x-rays so much. Uh, and, you know, right, they're, not they're invisible. They're you, can't, you can't see and know what you're mm-hmm. doing or anything. And, you know, that would have been inexplicable. Uh, it was at the limits of scientific knowledge at the time. And now, of course, we would be able to detect for that. But, but then, then we couldn't. Some invisible ray, x-ray, an unknown ray. Uh-huh. An unknown ray, the X. It was. Ray. That's why it was named that. Yeah, that's actually. It's a cool name. Yeah, I mean X ray. Right. Um, so, yeah. So anyway, like I, I think that you know there may be. That's what I was saying. There could be some unknown phenomenon happening there, um, but it could also be measurement error or experimental setup error. Although I'm sure something so. Um, you know, so widespread has been and replicated in yeah, different yeah, yeah. ways multiple times. So I'm sure that they've, you know, it, it is a mystery um, waiting to be solved, which is cool. But one thing also, I've thought about this a little bit before that I find interesting is, you know, even if we take a step back from the, you know, the, the hard science aspect of it, you know, that, you know, electrons may be influenced. Um, like there's also a, you know, you could consider it a psychological phenomenon too, right? Uh the act of observing something or or for example if you are being if you know you're being observed then your behavior is different than when you're not being observed absolutely like, imagine you had you know a webcam in your living room that was just being broadcast you know probably no one's watching it's just some web address you know that someone has to type in and they can pull up your webcam and and watch you but knowing that that's on and that someone could be watching you your behavior would probably be different um, I wish I had a study to cite this, but I've I've heard um, that even paintings of eyes and eyeballs causes people to behave slightly differently, hanging oh, them yeah. around, uh, feel this. Yeah, sense I of think I've heard watched. that. I've heard that, but right. I don't. I, yeah, I don't know. If well, it's and true they or they not, but I've they they set up an experiment. If if this is the correlation, I think I'm making it correctly. That um, mm. it was a it was a convenience store in which it it had a pot of money not a ton of money but said make change for yourself uh when you buy something so they did this without the eyes uh or maybe it were, was just cameras in this case which would you know be actual eyes one with cameras and one without and uh the one with cameras not that surprisingly um yeah that's a little less surprising just because someone well, it's be probably right in the back room you know right right whatever. it's probably the fear of consequences Rather than, but th- then it would be interesting if they substituted. So if they did three experiments, one, and I'm, not, I really want to go look into this now. But you do one with well, just. Well, if you look into it, then it'll probably change. <laughs> yeah, nice. So one <laughs> is one is without a camera. One is with a camera, and then one is with um, a big eye, a set like a of googly pain. eyes. Yeah, like a googly eyes that are obviously cartoonish, but but noticeable. <laughs> like people come. No, that's 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 the idea. Or a painting. If you steal this money, we'll hit you with a novelty hammer. <laughs> An anvil will cartoonishly drop with a whistle yeah. and everything. The piano, the piano will fall, and then when you when you get out from under it, your you're teeth accordion. Will be piano keys. <laughs> you have, yeah, and you're accordion. You're an accordion, and, and you have piano keys for teeth. Yeah, like yeah. that. Um, no, but but being well, that's that's actually the point. That's why I brought this up. I think clearly is that we are in some capacity being observed. We have an imagined audience in this case, and how does that observation affect our reality? How does it change our conversations? How does it? influence uh me and and i can feel it uh to some degree 
but I think that's also the danger when we talk about this scientific phenomenon that let's just assume for a second it's it's accurate and it's true and we just don't understand why and then applying it to the social sciences and say you know because we observe this all the time I'm a teacher and when I when a when an administrator walks in my room the kids um they it's great actually it's it's adorable they they advocate for you they want you to do well they tend to raise their hands more uh give more formal answers and as soon as that administrator leaves they're like, what were they doing in here? And like, how do we, or didn't you like my answer to this? Or they want affirmation, but they want to discuss it. So, um, and not only that, I try not to change my behavior, but I did, you know, I'm sure I do. I can feel my nerves, but I, I don't show nerves anymore as much as I make some dumb joke like, uh, uh, this, this administrator's heard how amazing of a teacher I am and they've come to see me do amazing things and you know, get a little chuckle or whatever. Right. And then that's my way of, it's strange not to address a person coming in with a clipboard and just everyone act normal, you know, like, like we have to make yeah, a little right. di- diffuse the situation joke. And that to me helps us restore, uh, normality. But uh, observation clearly affects reality in the social realm um and then it's that then it if it's on this quantum theory level if it's actually impacting some sort of well, physical reality like whoa i don't understand well, that i don't see, know if that's two where, completely different points or what yeah that's i think it's two different points i'm not willing to say that that you know uh, an administrator being in your classroom is changing things on some sort of quantum level um I'm not willing to go there. I mean, certainly on a psychological and social level, absolutely. And that's what I find interesting to to talk about. Well, because that's something we can we can wrap our heads around, right? And it's it's not a far cry from like physical touch and the importance of intimacy and its relationship with physical touch, whether it's a hand, uh, you know, a hand holding or whatever. Uh, That obviously has some. I'm sure it lights the brain up if you're holding hands with someone you care about, right? Like you'd be able to measure that in the brain. Um, but I don't know, it, is, it, is it a mistake to say that, okay, physical this physical thing you do has a f- physical or a, an impact that we can trace in the brain? Like, is it a mistake to say that that's, that, that, I don't know that that one physical property. Why is that any different than me pushing a box and the box moves? Like obviously, me pushing it moved the box. Like that is a physical cause and effect. Um, is it is it removed to say holding hands and lights up the brain? Like that's like not the same. God, that made no sense, did it? No, I don't. Well, all right. So let me see if I understand what you're trying to say. So imagine that you know you hook up your electrodes to someone's head, or you stick them in an MRI machine, fMRI machine, or something, and you're observing the activity of their brain. Mm-hmm. And you on their on their left side, maybe you have a table with a little box on it, and they push the box, and you record what happens in their brain. And on the right side, you have you know their mom hold their hand, lights up some more areas of the brain. I mean, is that what you're saying? Is I'm that saying that pushing a box these... has a very like what happened to the box? Well, it got pushed, so something physical happened because yeah. you physically touched the box and it physically moved. So there's a sure. very clear yeah. direct cause and effect. Um, right? Is it any less direct cause and effect to say you know you you kissed your girlfriend and your brain lit up like? 
Like there's a physical kiss and then a physical. <laughs> well, you uh, keep saying brain, brain. You keep saying brain lit up. So what do you uh, what do you mean? What I you guess I mean in this in this MRI scan or whatever they're saying. Well, oh, it's uh, clear. What are so you're talking in two different arenas. Now, yes. when you're talking about pushing the box, are you talking about brain lighting up? Are you talking no, about No, I'm actually just talking moving? about the box moving. I'm intentionally right, so, talking in so, two different arenas. Like, Oh, well, then it, I don't understand what you're wanting me to, to say here. I mean, when you hold... I mean, if you if you hold your girlfriend's hand, then there's a physical effect. Like, you squeeze her hand and her knuckles crack. And, yeah. you know, she cries. Um, <laughs> yeah, I hate it when that happens. <laughs> Um, or, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a physical reaction. There's some stress put on your hand. Uh, you know, your skin is compressed a little bit. Your muscles contract mm-hmm. and you know, there's your physical response. Now, is there also an emotional response to that? Probably, you know, unless you have a bad relationship, probably there is. And you probably, unless you have some weird sort of <clears throat> fetish for boxes, then, you know, that emotional reaction is unique to the hand-holding and doesn't happen when you push the box. So, you know, if I were a neurologist or, or some other kind of ologist that examines the brain, mm-hmm. um, I would not expect a whole lot of brain activity when, when you push the box. You know, I would expect some, <clears throat> some changes in the area of the brain that, you know, controls motor movement. Um, probably not a lot of cortical activity since, you know, Moving a box doesn't require a lot of thought. Uh, right. <clears throat> some spatial spatial movement for your arm or something like that. Um, I guess some it really visual was... some visual area you know mm-hmm. to determine where the box is. Now, when you're when you're holding your girlfriend's hand, I would expect other areas to light up. Um, probably not the visual areas unless you're recalling the times that you held hands with your girlfriend before. Right. Um, but some of the same motor areas just for the hand motion, but probably other areas more related to emotion, I would expect to, 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 to change a little bit. I guess so what is I'm that getting kind at, of more it, that, what you're, you're, you're answering. About? I'm realizing, I mean, it was a question that popped in my head and it was half baked. And, and we're, you're kind of exposing how half baked it really was. So forgive me for that. But I guess what I'm trying to examine is how much are the physical and mental intertwined. Like I've heard people even claim that they're when we we use mental as a metaphor but it's really it i mean it's all physical in terms of these chemicals in your brain doing these things so uh, so why differentiate well, them um like mental illness is a is a phys, it physically manifest i mean nah, just in small small so, ways yeah, I, but no nah, i can't get behind that i mean you would probably expect me that that to be my view and i mean mm. technically ultra technically Yes, the things going on in your brain are physical, chemical reactions, um, but there's a huge, gigantic void in human knowledge that has to do with the brain and how it works, and consciousness, uh, and, and certainly behavior, psychology, and mental illness all fall within that void to some extent. So while you, know, you can claim from a position of, uh, of ignorance in terms of the working of the brain, you can say, oh, well, yeah, I may not know how it works, but I do know that it's just a series of chemical reactions. Yeah, you can say that, but you haven't, you, you haven't done anything for us. You haven't advanced <laughs> right. science at all by saying that. Right. So, yeah, if you want to be pedantic, you can say there is no such thing as mental. It's all physical. And, yeah, we'll, we'll – yeah, fine. Yeah, you're right. But now let's talk about this thing in a way that matters. So there is a difference between mental and physical, and I think the usage of those words 
are, are, you know, the common usage of those words bears that out. Yeah, and the common usage is very, very useful, uh, usage and useful, um, because yeah. because the distinction is so readily apparent uh, when you right, talk yeah. about something, the brain, the mind, uh, I, you know. Yeah, it, the brain and the mind, those are two different things, right? Yeah, the brain's more of that physical, and the mind is, well, I have no idea. That's a, that's a whole uh, frontier, I guess the mind this the person the soul and the mind and the heart and uh, the mind uh what do people mean when they say the mind typically um <laughs> it's really not know. fair i'm throwing these like ridiculous questions at i don't you. know i can't speak for other people there um and do you i don't think it gets personally with I, brain too often you know mind yeah, science probably and, i will i don't use the word mind that often at least you know in in that way um, just because it's not very specific, I usually will either say brain or, um, or, I mean, well, the, the brain or the consciousness or something if I want to talk about the other side of things. In teaching, we talk about brain science frequently when we should be going to bed and waking up. Like teenagers should be going to school later uh, than is currently common. They say but like 8.30 to, to anywhere and, oh, and later. So as late as 10 o'clock would be great because they're circadian rhythms um we talk about processing uh and and how to best get them to store that information and really when do they lose it and how do they lose it and what steps we can take um mm-hmm. would it be better to call that mind science or is, is brain good because it sounds to me like that's a blending um, a very uh, obscure like a strange blending because i get that the brain science is like tendencies of people well if it's behavioral it seems like of the mind is behavior of the mind or of the brain i don't really know um well that's a good question um i would say that behavior is of both uh both the brain and the mind i mean we can we can observe you know when you're pushing a box or holding a hand you can observe the the brain side of mm-hmm. um of behavior right right yeah, the brain uh, we, contains that, the mind too, right? Like, is that that the assumption? Um, you know, I'm sure there are people that would argue with you about about that. Well, um, the word "contain" too, yeah, yeah, contain and everything. But I mean, generally speaking, the the brain is, you know, well, it's what this our large brain distinguishes us from animals, and our behaviors distinguish from animals, you know, in pretty notable ways in, in terms of complexity. So, I think, you know, you would be it's a pretty reasonable thing to say that um, that that the mind lives in the brain, um, right? Not it's not you know it's not cut and dry. Um, and you know if you if you've ever heard Jordan Peterson talk about the the brain and the mind, I think someone may have even asked him this question before, and he pretty strongly says that you know don't be thinking don't be thinking that the mind lives in the brain something like that, um, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he says that, well, you know, these lower parts of your brain, the more, the more animalistic parts of of the brain, and the the things that, you know, in your um, in your spinal cord, and in you know, you actually have more nervous tissue outside of your brain than than in in your brain, simply because your body is so innervated. Huh. You have a lot of spinal neural tissue and everything. And another thing that that he brought up that's really interesting is that if you um, if you sever 
the the spinal cord at a particular location high enough um and then you stand someone up on a treadmill that their legs can still walk even though their brain isn't sending any signal down oh, to wow. their legs like a muscle memory type thing right yeah i mean yeah muscle memory whatever it, that is you know the memory isn't held within the muscle but it's held within the uh the the, the nervous system below that part of the, the brain yeah which is really interesting yeah and, and i would not have predicted that you know no oh, yeah, i think it's really fascinating too i didn't know that before i heard it and i didn't verify it either so um, could you know i guess there's some small amount of yeah, that might be wrong, but, um, but anyway, that's really cool. Um, and so, you know, he, he might say that, you know, don't be thinking that the mind lives only in the brain because, uh, human behavior is complex and is distributed through different parts of our body. Now, I that's don't think cool. he would, I don't think he would dispute the fact that uh, a lot of human reasoning uh, comes in the cortical part of the brain. You know, we don't have much reasoning ability in our spinal cord. Yeah, our ideas are born in the brain. Right. You know, that abstract right, right. thought stem mm-hmm. from parts of the brain. Right. And I guess we need to distinguish between like behaviors and personality traits. So, went back to the school example, I would not say that teenagers uh, staying up late and wanting to sleep in is a personality trait and how they're how they best acquire and store information. These are all, uh, I guess, behaviors, how they how they function and what they do. But, man, I, we probably butcher it when, we, when we're actually thinking and speaking about behaviors versus personality and what's probably. the difference between yeah. the two. Because probably I think so. When you think They've of teenagers a- and the grouchy old person that's like, oh, they stay up all night and play in their music and they... You know, they're they're equating that to personality. They're, they're lamenting the personality of the teenager, right. you know, the rebel, not, the the person who stays up all late all night. And those are really two separate things going on. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for that. I mean, let, let's talk about it practically. If you're uh, if you're a school and you're trying to determine when classes should start, when your meal time should be, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, you do. You do have to take into account the the behaviors and perhaps the personalities of of the students a little bit, um, but when it comes to circadian rhythms and you know, when your brain is best prepared to store information, when you're most energetic, a lot of that stuff, I mean, to a certain extent, it's tied to sunlight. I mean, that's kind of how we evolved. Um, that's what yeah. cir- that's the origin of circadian rhythms um, is because of daylight. But you know, as we, you and I learned when we uh, went on our trip to Japan, you can you can push those things, right? You can you can shift your circadian oh, yeah. rhythms. You a really bit. can. I, it takes effort, and it can be really uncomfortable in the transition. But you can you can push those things around a little bit. And anyone who lives at a really high um, uh, a really high latitude or a really low latitude, I guess, uh, you know, we'll be able to attest to the fact that, you know, in the winter, the days are really short. Um, and in the summer that the days can be really long and, you know, you have to, your body has to adjust to the amount of light that's present. Right. Anyway, really what I'm getting at is that uh, the individual is more in control of their circadian rhythm than sometimes we like to think. Um, I think a lot of people like to think that they're the slaves of their circadian rhythm. And to a certain extent they are, because you can't just say, I, I, you know, I choose not to sleep anymore. Um, you can't do that. But 
you can choose when you go to bed and you can choose when you wake up in the morning and you can make sure you get a sufficient amount of sleep when it comes to a school deciding um well i just don't think that i don't i don't think that you can just say uh you know what students you know your brain learns best uh 10 a.m well because 10 a.m is pretty arbitrary right it is uh, actually because what feels like 10 a.m to some people you know doesn't feel like 10 a.m to others i mean for me I'm wide awake by 10 a.m. because, you know, right now I get up at 8 a.m. And so by 10, I'm, you know, I'm good to go. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there were times in my life when 10 a.m. would have been horrible. You know, I mean, there were times (laughs) when I slept until like noon or later. There were times you were agitated. You actually felt it was rude to call before noon or to have any responsibility before noon. I probably chastised you before for calling me (laughs) before noon. Yes, it'd be like eleven thirty. At least, what are you doing? You you can't be doing that. You woke me up. Like what an what an ass. Like what? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Very funny. Right, and so I mean, well, imagine just for the sake of discussion that. The entire student population was made up of people like me then who were irresponsible with the times that they went to sleep and and woke up. Then, I mean, you could classify that as a behavior or the psychology of students and some weak, weak weak-willed, limp-spined administrator of a school might say, "Uh, well, students' brains actually learn better starting at 3 p.m. because that's when they're awake. So we'll start our school at 3 p.m. Well... And, you know, that might fit the particular population, but I kind of feel like it's enabling a little bit. Well, Um, you're totally right that it's, uh, I mean, we're kidding ourselves if we started, if we said we're going to start at nine o'clock and kids would go, yay. And then they would stay up an hour later and be just as tired. Like they just would. I really believe that. Um, Right. They would. And so, I mean, at, at the end of the day, I think you'd be better served to, to figure out, well, what, what's the maximum efficiency with which we can teach the students what's how can we structure the school day so that we get the 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 most education within one day um and well because you know obviously you don't want to monopolize the student's life and have school run from 9 a.m to you know 8 p.m right um you don't want something like that so definitely there's a practical question in terms of how long should the school day be and how many breaks should there be and that, that sort of thing. Um, but as far as when do we start, you know, we if you have to cement one end, either the starting or the ending of school, I think that can actually be pretty arbitrary. Uh, and so a school starting at 9 a.m. could work fine. Uh, a school starting at 7 a.m. could work fine. I think um, I think the trouble is that they try to cement the hours in a day. It needs to be an eight hour school day. You need a hundred and eighty days this year, like you know. Right. These and I don't think standards. I don't necessarily think that that's required. Um, I'd be open to talking about alternatives to that. But um, you know, one other thing that if you were an administrator trying to structure how you're going to do your school day, that you have to consider too, and this is probably what has happened, is that. Well, you have to build it around the parents' likely work schedules. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's um, actually how it's kind of come to be developed in a lot right. of ways. In fact, there was, right. a, well, there was an, article, an Atlantic you, article discussing how, yeah, it wasn't best yeah. for the kids. It was best to mirror, to make right. it easy for the, the parents. Exactly. Right. Because, you know, they, they have it, you know, so that you drop the kids off on your way to work and then you pick them up. Uh, uh, after you get off, or or you know some you arrange bus some takes them of, home, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. or whatever, uh, it's easier to deal with in the afternoon than in the morning. Um, 
So, yeah, that that makes sense. I wonder though, um, is there a way around that now? Like, do you think we're moving towards a time when those sort of restrictions might not apply? I think as the educational crisis comes to a head, we're willing to take a look at anything and everything, or we're becoming more willing. And I think some of them are, this is actually more surface level for all the reasons we discussed. Like, you know, look, move it to nine, fine. Um, Really a more important question is how long should you have kids sitting there uh, what are attention spans? And if, if they are lessening, should we play to that and say, yeah, you know what? It's only 15 minutes now. Like five years ago, it was 20 minutes. Now it's 15. So let's only give 15 minutes of instruction. Like, is that to our detriment? Like, should we actually be training them to have longer attention spans? You know, we should be asking ourselves these questions. How How much content is reasonable for them to digest? How long should we be exposing them to this information and helping them have sustained focus? Uh, these sorts of things, not it's eight thirty or nine, and you have a big parent board meeting and votes and all of this about eight thirty or nine or eight or nine or eight or ten or seven thirty or all of that's like right. pretty negligible. Now, if if it, if school started at four thirty in the morning, that would be affecting your the average person's circadian rhythm. Um, one right. other thing, though, I think we're selling it short just a little bit. And the science, I think, it's regard to high schoolers specifically in in uh, relation to puberty, and even four years into puberty, clearly, like an eighteen year old's has has been in puberty for a while. But they're an eighteen year old boy. I would even say is different than you know a thirty year old man uh, in terms of puberty. So there are stages, and that's the studies have been done on the the puberty and that and how that uh how that relates to circadian rhythm and what it does and it does seem to impact that and that's why they they make the case so they don't just say we've it's not reactionary like we've observed kids are tired all the time at their 8 a.m classes so then we should the studies show we should change it it's more like clarify this for me um well, if I can. What, what's the deal with circadian rhythms in puberty? I mean, what what's the contention? Oh, I, I mean, I have no I have no doubt that puberty affects circadian rhythms, but it doesn't eliminate circadian rhythms. Uh, they still exist. No, it just somehow uh, shifts it to where it's it's it seems that kids people stay up, get more done, uh, kind of come into their own, whatever, all these kind of vague terms, but, but hit, so I would create suggest, a state of flow, I, that sort of stuff. All right. Let me put something forward then. Um, so I would suggest that probably it's not puberty affects circadian rhythms and circadian rhythms then determine the behavior of the, the, the person. And making so that's they're going through puberty, yeah. it changes their circadian rhythms, and then they stay up late. I don't think that's the that's not the chain here. It's they're going through puberty, and that causes behavioral changes that makes them want to stay up late, and staying up late changes their circadian rhythms. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, well, but what obviously th- puberty has behavioral effects. I mean. Anyone who has been a teenager or been around a teenager would, would tell you that. <laughs> yes. uh, I also think there's something to be said for, again, I'm going to make education the bad guy here um, <laughs> and say that, well, education monopolizes a huge portion of your life, valuable time in your life, I would argue, and squanders it. Um, and, well, if I, could, if I reflect on my time in school, I 
when I got out of school, I wanted to make the most of what I saw was finally I get to actually use my own time mm-hmm. now. And that resulted in me wanting to stay up late always because I never wanted to go to sleep and then give away my time to school again the next day. You know, I wanted to use my time the way I wanted to use it. You were rebelling. Staying up late was a form of rebelling. Um, it, it, I mean, I guess you could classify it that way. I mean, I, I would say that, well, I mean, this is going to sound absurd, but I would say it's a form of justice. Uh, <laughs> I mean, well, because it's my time, right? And I was being yeah, forced yeah, against yeah. my will to spend my time in a way that I didn't find appropriate or efficient and this is something that again but you saw an injustice and you were trying to achieve justice by rebelling i was just it's a coping mechanism really i mean it wasn't that i wasn't staying up late as a screw you to the system because the system you know had nothing to do like the system has seized no consequence from that but it is wow i've had a lot of my time stolen and i can't do anything about that so i have this other time i want to use it Right. I want to. I want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to make up for it here. If something has to slide, I will go to sleep a little bit later. Maybe I'll be tired in the morning, but I'll. I'll. You know. I'll survive. Right. And that's not a good thing. Now, when you're talking about science, uh, particularly um, puberty, puberty, and um, uh, basically, how should you manage student health um, with regards to education? I absolutely do think that. People, especially people with developing brains, need plenty of sleep. Um, I mean, I think that there uh, there have been studies done that say that you know students are chronically underslept, and mm-hmm. th- that's bad. That's pretty bad for development to be underslept. Um, and I mean, speaking personally, um, even now when I have when I'm underslept. I feel terrible. Oh, it's huge. Um, I think it leads to dementia earlier. I heard. Yeah, uh, sure. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't that. be surprised. That mm-hmm. There are terrible effects from being underslept, chronically underslept, especially. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. I think that students need to get a full night's sleep. And, but the problem is that students don't want a full night's sleep because they value their own time more than a full night's sleep. And the reason that they place so much value. Or, Speaking again personally, the reason I placed so much value on staying up later was because I felt that my time was being stolen during the day. So if you could alleviate that feeling, then I would be more inclined to get a full night's sleep and be healthier. I think you are speaking a lot of truth. I think that kids have more, um, maybe not homework, but there's more pressure to get into these universities. So then they join more clubs, do more things. And I think they do generally have more homework. And not that I don't think that schools are insane. Say, you know, you hear kids exaggerate. Oh, I have six hours of homework every night. Like, no, you don't. You don't. I mean, there's just no way. Even saying you have four. Uh, I never had just, six hours no, of homework. I, no, I didn't have six hours of homework going through an engineering degree. Right. It's just like, I don't think college. it's true. Um, I think people exaggerate for effect. But I think that they have lots of homework. I do think that my students in ninth grade right now um, have over an hour and a half of homework why why do you do that to them i don't do it i don't do it i really don't i'm light on homework i don't believe in it for a lot of reasons but um so they have all this homework they're juggling all these different classes um and because and because they went to practice they went to play some you know sport and then some musical instrument and then they're getting home and they're doing an hour to an hour and a half of homework 
I think they have the same inclination you do, except you were able to start regaining your hours when you got home. They're not getting home until nine o'clock. So you, let's say you wanted to get eight hours in and you started at three, you know, the math's beyond me, but you would stay (laughs) up till whatever time. Um, But they're staying up much, much, much later. Um, Right. And plus they are using technology in in the middle of the night and they're all talking to each other so there's even more incentive imagine you know you have a crush on a girl and so you you know you should go to bed or you can stay up and talk to your crush are you kidding me that's that's just not you're gonna stay up you're gonna stay up well all of this leads back to something that that we've talked about a lot before and that's the the amount of value that a student places on their education and in our current system of forced education that value is inevitably low. Um, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but there was not a point in my education where I cared about my education. There's some sort of external trust that like, yeah, I should be doing this. And so there's buy-in to that regard and fear of failure. There's cultural and societal pressure to, Mm -hmm. to go to school, but that is the primary thing pushing kids to school. Uh, It's not self-motivation in, I would wager upwards of 99% of times. (laughs) That's bold, but I think you're probably right. Well, I mean, you have have more insight into this than I do, but how many truly motivated students do you have that really love to learn? Well, here's what's hard to distinguish. I actually have a number that when we're having a discussion or whatever, they are excited to talk about it. But but it's really, I think, them say they've done the math and said, okay, I have to do this. Uh, learning yeah, really isn't well, that bad. And they actually yeah. get into it once they're doing it. So that's that's the best you could hope for, especially as a ninth grader. Um, that's right. Well, but, and that's why, that's they, why the yeah. educational system we have isn't a complete and utter disaster yeah. because the collateral damage of the, the current educational system is that some people make the best of it and they get knowledge shoved into their brains whether they want to or not <laughs> and sometimes they enjoy it and just giving them structure like what are you going to do with kids all day i mean you know we could argue they do a lot they they would but kids are just kind of wandering around well, like like well, let me present something to you here and i, and I think you probably probably agree with this but kids are by nature curious yes i mean and they're fickle too they're fickle and and curious, but but if you can present a series of interesting things to a kid, they will follow you along that path, and they will learn and find it fun, actually. And and that's where I think the educational system has gone so wrong, is that it's not a, a student-induced uh, learning. We don't lead students to learn based on their interest. Uh, we... We sit them down and we tell them what they have to know, and we make them do that for, uh, you know, for however many years, twelve years, twelve plus years, mm-hmm. I suppose. Um, and that's just that's the way it is. I mean, it it is forced learning. And is there some benefit to that? Like, yeah, the general population knows some basic level of information, but then forgets a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, like, really, what what is the knowledge? Um, uh, what knowledge do most people retain, even even from high school? Yeah. You know, yeah. like if you ask my mom to do an algebra problem, 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. I would argue no there's way. way more about um, <coughs> socialization and grit and and human relationships that you learn and not not the content, not the knowledge, I guess. Um, no, no, I would agree with that. As much as I think it's important to have a baseline knowledge of, of things, like I think that that I mean, I think our current education system does a terrible job at it and because well when it when when you get squeezed out of the educational sphincter at the other end like (laughs) you uh you know you don't have a motivation to go delve into the topics that you started on like you don't you're relieved you throw your hat up in the air and you know you don't wear any underwear under your gown no more yeah you know papers yay no more school school's out for summer School's out. School's out for for ever. the rest of time. Um, yes, yes. But back to the fickle point. I mean, I do agree with you. And people will go uh, to far places once they found an interest. And to your point, there was a kid um, really has joined the debate team. Really taken off with debate. Has struggled in past classes. Has severe ADHD. Um, and I don't know if you've seen modern debate, but you have to read fast and loud and project. And so, and you, you will cover 30 pages of information in like an eight minute span. So you're, I, I, it's really cartoonish, but they get, they actually go like this. They go, and they like breathe in and it's severe and crazy if you're not prepared to watch it. I probably just yelled in the mic, but it was just, it was, it's insane to watch. But so it's great for this kid who has ADHD because he, it focuses him. You can't concentrate on anything else but that. And so he has, he has become obsessed. He is reading Foucault and uh, Derrida and Nietzsche and he's understanding like a quarter of it, but he's still like getting really into it. And, and he's, He's neglecting what grade, his studies. What grade is this? Ninth grade. And he's neglecting his studies completely, and he's Jeez. probably going to be kicked out of debate, the thing he loves, and is actually having a huge impact on him very much academically. Not, not I mean, it's hurting his grades because he's neglecting, but I'm saying he is growing intellectually by focusing uh, his efforts and reading and studying and becoming very obsessed with it in a what I would say is like a positive obsession. Uh, but negative obviously and that it's hurting his grades and all these structures in place saying no 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 you need to stop that so there's an example of kind of a strange thing where it's like wait wait a second he's getting a great education in debate and he's wanting to spend his time instead of you know doing reading this book in english class he wants to be reading these other ones like should we be letting him do that and like i would argue yes probably so Um, Uh, well that's to me that's the failure of the educational mm -hmm, system mm -hmm. i mean People have their interests, and people – I think that going through school probably dulls people's interests overall rather than inspires them. And uh, uh, yes, yes, when you're in school, you're exposed to a variety of topics, and you can discover what you're interested in potentially. But you'd be hard-pressed to find one human being who hasn't discovered something they're interested in, whether they're going to school or not. Um, I think – I can't say whether a world in which you're you're encouraged to pursue your interest and you're not required to pursue things you're not interested in uh, academically would be a better world, but I would like to see it tried. I just um, I, I do I would too, and I'm on board. Um, I think you overestimate people's uh, ability to pursue. 
Like there's an assumption um, there that if they are interested, then they will try to study it. Uh, and and then you would argue maybe my pessimism is working within the machine, and I've seen how low we've made people, and that's why they're not going to pursue. But once well, my, they find my that argument, thing, go ahead. My argument is that the educational system has caused has people them. Yeah. to not. Yeah, it drains them. If By the time you get out of, out of school, way, yeah. Yeah, if you if education would get out of the way and let people pursue their interests from a young age, you would ingrain habits of pursuing knowledge, curiosity, self investigation, um, valuing the 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 unknown rather than fearing failure and the unknown. You would encourage all of these traits. Whereas the educational system, it it makes you uh, it, it makes you really resistant to learning you hate assignments you hate being graded you fear failure you fear mistakes you have to get up early you know all all of these other things that interfere it, it really there's a lot of negative association right. with learning in the educational system uh and and again like i'm speaking personally because these are all the things that affected me but i would be willing to bet that this is a broader thing and again i can't say that a shifted educational world would necessarily be better for society overall, but I would love to see it. I would love to see that experiment on some magical other dimension. I, I agree. I think it would. I'm just trying to explore. This is what's funny is uh, you are having a more optimistic outlook on humanity than I do, because I think even if we got out of the way it, and we revealed, all right, pursue your potential. We'd, I suspect we'd be pretty disappointed and go, oh, these people really do want to be like slugs. They just want to watch uh, YouTube. Yeah, so let them be slugs. Yeah, let them be slugs and let them not do anything. Well, that's your this then... system. What if what if that's seventy five percent of people? We can't handle that. That's not. We can't. So we what we do is we kind of what hammer. Do you mean we? we as a society, if seventy five percent just said and melted away and became slugs, <laughs> you know, metaphorically. Well, yeah, I mean, start we, to collapse. we can't. You're right. We we can't handle that. But the 75% of people that would be behaving that way can't handle that. And they either change or they suffer the consequences. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe I mean, it would be the wake-up call that everyone The education system anyway. hasn't existed. The educational system hasn't existed for all of human history. No, you're right. Right? And I mean, somehow the, this, these 75%, these hypothetical 75% of lazy slug people existed before school proper existed and they did something they either did something or died i think they were like servants and peasants and whatnot though and no one gave no one they they i think we or laborers laborers. i mean right i sound like if you're lazy then you're a laborer it's way more complicated to be clear um but we just had this we're so there there is this ruling class and this when it comes to academics you there are certain crafts where you need more refined knowledge and there are crafts where you don't need that refined knowledge you need more physical ability and the people who don't want to go learn they they for whatever reason their interest isn't piqued by academia you know they don't care about bugs or plants Mm -hmm. or or you know the study of chemicals or or whatever but i mean every everyone finds an interest in something and if they don't find an interest they at least find a proficiency and if they don't find a proficiency they at least find a means to survive yeah yeah that's a good that's a good three-tier you know either a passion or a proficiency or a, a survival skill 
like those are the three like something um and and that's gonna bear itself out anyway so i actually have no objection to what you're suggesting whatsoever to be clear i'd prefer us adopt that model and see what happens um i i would just it wouldn't surprise me if the outcome was well, almost similar, <laughs> but I have well, no idea. I mean, we can't start now is the problem. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. we could start now, but it would be a disaster. Um, I mean, maybe we're coming up on the time when the education system as we know it collapses. Oh, I and predict change. in our lifetime it will change quite a bit. Maybe not as radically as you're suggesting, but it will oh, be. Oh, well, no, I'm not I'm not predicting that yeah. necessarily, but um, I, I also think that the education system will change significantly in our lifetime. I don't know that that's the way it's going but uh but it it will change and but i mean imagine you know if um if, if uh the government decided that you know what we're we're changing the educational system we heard this guy bennett on a podcast he had some good ideas so <laughs> we're gonna uh you know we're gonna put all those into practice and uh starting you know 2019 yeah, that would be a disaster. Yeah, yeah. Bennett is in charge. Uh, what are we doing, Bennett? How are we doing this? Well, yeah, just right. let everyone so, do yeah. what they want to do. Get out of the way. Like, <laughs> God, well, that's what a not terrible a idea. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, that's a, it's terrible a terrible idea. idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the thing. If you put me in charge and said, "All right, you're now in charge of the the United States educational system," that's that's not what I would do. Right. Um, right. I think it's a really interesting thought experiment, and. You know, if we could rewind time to, uh, you know, to, to the Renaissance and kind of nurture the educate formal education system in a different direction, maybe things could have turned out for the Abandoned better. Abandoned grades, um, that sort of thing, you know. Right. Whoever that guy was yeah, that started Yeah, literally a guy you can trace it to. I wish I had his name Yeah, you told that. me about him before. Yeah. And he basically used how they, in shoe factories, they would grade the the quality of the shoe, whether it was ready to be shipped and delivered. And so he mm-hmm. was like, oh, grades. I could actually grade my students because I'm paid per student or per, you know. And so he, he ended up having a bunch of students to, and made a made bank, basically. And then yeah. the grading, because you could give back feedback to a, a class full of people. Uh, right. And there you go. Boom. And But the result is now we have a literate community. I put literate in quotes, though. Yeah, I mean, you're right. And again, that was my acknowledgement is that we churn out a society that can do – everyone can do basic things for the most part. Everyone can read. Everyone can can write or at least type 140 characters or some emoji. Yeah. You know, they can do the basics, I suppose. But do they enjoy anything more than the basics? Those, Those emoji courses really help them out. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, but but again, they don't – most people don't really have a thirst for knowledge outside of school. Schools beat the thirst of knowledge out of them by the time they graduate. Do you think these these true deep thinkers and uh, do you think they really get it beaten out of them, or it's just it just kind of is put on hold? Like I'd like to think that we are resilient. Uh, well, no, that's that, that that's a good point. It, it probably it. It, it probably is well. Let's look at it this way. When, you know, I said earlier that, that kids are curious. It's not just restricted to kids. Humans are curious. Um, and I think that that is an innate trait of humanity, so that we're, we're curious and we like, to, we like to examine and manipulate the world around us to our benefit, um, just naturally, I mm-hmm, think. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, you know, ideally we would nurture and encourage that trait. And that's what the educational system would be like. Unfortunately, what, as we were talking about, I don't think that's the case. I think the educational system largely inhibits that process. And then when you graduate, you're just exhausted intellectually. And again, speaking personally, when I graduated, I did not want to learn like any, I didn't want to know more, nothing to do with classes or school or education anymore. Academia was not uh, appealing to you. No, definitely not. Um, you know, I had the opportunity to go to med school or, or get, um, or, you know, get a master's or a PhD after I got my bachelor's degree. And there was just no way. I mean, no way I was going to do that. I was mm-hmm. so ready to be done with school. Do you regret that um, now? No, I don't, I don't, I don't regret it. Um, I don't think that, well, I'm just not convinced that further degrees are really all that useful or sure. necessary. Uh-huh. And I say that as someone who will start taking master's classes <laughs> you know, in the spring, but that's only because it's free right. um, and and minimal impact. But <clears throat> well, and and that's again that's kind of where I was going is that you know by now uh, eight years after I graduated, I kind of like learning again, you know, and I enjoy le- researching things that I kind of touched on way, way back in school. Uh, I find it interesting and I like pursuing that knowledge, but it took, it took eight years for me to recover from the experience of school before I, you know, kind of want to pursue mastery in certain areas of knowledge or even broaden my knowledge, not to the level of mastery, but just become proficient in lots of different areas. Right. So I think that you know, in this altered educational world that I'm talking about, at least I would have done a lot better. It would have preserved my inquisitiveness and curiosity throughout without an eight-year gap of exhaustion in there. And yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe my education would have been lopsided and I would have studied a lot in, um, you know, astronomy or, uh, or, 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 literature or whatever whatever subjects i was interested in pursuing mm-hmm. i might have really pursued those in depth and neglected others but you know that i don't see anything wrong with that really um right i mean you would be yeah why not why not let the needs that you have in life dictate the things that you pursue and learn um you know and and again basic literacy everyone kind of needs that right? right so everyone should be motivated to pursue that just to the point of usefulness right and then and then interests and needs should should dictate where you go from there right i'll you know i'll say this as we wind down because i think we've been recording for a while now um mm-hmm. yeah. but I have been teaching for seven years and I was all on board. You you know, you've used some charged language, like uh, it beats the curiosity out of kids. And to some degree, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I just have noticed as I watch more teachers and learn more, I I would have told you my first year teaching that 90 to 95% of teachers were pretty horrible. I mean, I was, I'm, I'm still harsh on teachers, by the way, but um, I've recognized there's so many more teachers that are doing good work out there. It's encouraging. Uh, let's say let's say 35% of teachers are good. <laughs> uh, and and Look, I don't have any beef with teachers, really. Right. I mean, it's the even system. the good teachers, even the good teachers like you, 
are hamstrung mm. by the situation that your students are in and the the institution that you're in, right? I mean, I'm sure that you've experienced the frustration of having a really interesting novel or a really interesting lesson that you put a lot of time into and that you found engaging and you present it to a class of students and they don't care. Oh yeah, of course. Or more they don't likely care like because we'll go ahead. Well, they don't care because they've, you know, they have four or five other classes during the day and, you know, their, their attention is oh, diverted yeah. between those yeah. and they, not only that, but this is, you know, their ninth or 10th year in school and they've done it all before and they're going to do it again and they're not going to have to deal with you next year. And, you know, all these reasons that interfere with their potential interest in whatever it is you're trying to teach them. You may be an excellent teacher who truly cares for your students and truly enjoys the subject. And some of that may rub off, and it's great when it does. But I think that, that you have to, it's an uphill battle, basically, mm-hmm. um, to, to fight all of the other things that the system imposes. It is. Well, not only the system, but just kids got a lot going on they're noticing you know they're being attracted to people and social stuff is starting to come into focus in a way that it never did before um and those factors wait what do you mean social stuff is starting oh caring about popularity more in ninth grade than you did maybe in oh oh, i see so there's those elements of of that that that's tangential to our point though it's not the system it's just life and where they're at in life, and you throw a you throw a bucket of kids in a in a building, <laughs> bucket of kids. I don't dumb that. <laughs> you throw a bucket of kids in the, in the building, then and and say, I mean, it kind of makes sense that if you were to design school and you never had a concept, but you said, all right, we're going to teach him. So, what are the basic subjects? So you come up with math and history, and I mean, I don't know how English made its way in. I guess after they said, well, reading's important. We should teach like writing specifically and reading, and so let's just call it English. Okay. Um, and then we can't just, like, how do we do this? And, okay, well, you'll go here for an hour, then here for an hour, then here for an hour. Um, yeah, well, I mean, okay. again, we, like, I understand. If, you're, if your goal is give every person a baseline level of knowledge in all the areas that we consider generally important, I mean, they've done a good job, right? Yeah. I mean, like, if that was my task, then I might design something somewhat similar to the modern education system because that's what it does is, you know, you – you spend a lot of time and you learn things in, in math and in, in English and in history and in science. Um, and, and then you have some electives for things that are somehow deemed less important. And I do think that, you know, reading our culturally important novels um, is a good thing. Learning about our history is certainly a good thing. Learning math is certainly a good thing. Science, uh, yeah, I, I'm behind all of that. Like, I think that's that's... That's good if your goal is to have every person with a baseline level of knowledge. But I think that maybe, and maybe I'm wrong, but maybe that is a short-sighted or at least non-optimal goal uh, because, yes, you produce everyone with a baseline level of knowledge, but for that you sacrifice a lot of potential high achievers or you dampen the the curiosity and the academic energy of a lot of You've people. You lowered the so ceiling big... quite a bit. Right, you lowered the ceiling and maybe it's the inner elitist in me, but I don't think <laughs> that we should sacrifice the uh, you know, potential 
super high achievers, the people who are really going to innovate and, and push our society forward just to bring up the, the, the bottom. Um, and, you know, there are certainly a lot of people who aren't going to utilize their education. Let the bottom flail. Um, Sums well, up your, your pedagogical uh, belief system. I'm just kidding. No, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I know it's way more nuanced than that. Well, I mean, I don't think you should restrict anyone from pursuing an education. But, like, again, like, why why force someone unwilling into it? Well, you know, right. the, I, don't, so much I, don't think, I don't think we have to have some age limit on education either. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I understand the argument, and it's a valid argument, that when, you, you know, if, if the government were to take Bennett's ideas, like I said, and implement them next year, then what you would find is that everyone would drop out of school instantly. Everyone would. Yeah. No one would go to school. Nope. And, yeah. you know, that would, that, would, that would be terrible for a little while. But eventually, I think those students would realize that, wait, I actually do need some, I do actually need some knowledge. And, you know, in our current society, it would be, you know, it would be some years down the road. But I think you would have people who dropped out in second grade come back, uh, you know, when they're 18 or, or 20 years old and say, wait, I, I kind of want to learn some things. And they would voluntarily enroll in classes to teach them the subjects they want. And, and if instead of implementing this in 2019, we had implemented this in the year 1500 and slowly worked our way Developed here. the culture around it, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes, right. So that's, that's kind of what I'm saying. I think it'd be great. I really do. Um, I, I really like that idea so much. Well, Bennett. Um, oh, man, that's pretty – that wraps it up. It we had uh, we had one one long icebreaker and then one good <laughs> – conversation piece yes in there and i kind of like uh kind of like that format i really actually. liked it a lot and hey i've had to pee for the last hour and i didn't want to interrupt anything so i'm like in emergency mode and that's why i was kind of being there just at the pee end. man just let it flow no, i mean I, like top 50 times in my life i've ever had to pee probably almost wow certainly. so wow. i'm gonna uh say a quick goodbye uh well that's a great ending to the, uh, to the episode <laughs> we can edit that part out yeah. but i have nah, to be so I, <laughs> I don't think so. I think we'll just keep that one. Goodbye, Bennett. All right, man. See ya. (laughs) Bye.